good introduction, man. I need to bring you around wherever I go, man. That's, my wife just looks young, man. She just has that young look. And this is Amy, and I'm glad to be here today. My boys, as Pastor Chris said, they're back there in kids' church. And, and I did think about that. I was like, what a cool moment. You know, we're going to even talk today about investments that we make today that will affect the future. Little did I know that as I was uh, leading Pastor Lydia years and years ago, preaching messages, pouring into her, believing in her, challenging her, saying there's a call of God on your life. As she was praying in an altar many, many years ago, God was preparing her for this moment to be able to pour into my kids today. What a cool moment, how God works full circle. For Pastor Lydia to be able to pour into your kids, listen, man, Pastor Chris has gathered together a staff in this place, in this city, for such a time as this, man, for God to do amazing and powerful and mighty, mighty things. Pastor Chris, it's an honor, Miss Megan, to be here. We love you guys. We've watched these guys just from afar and just seen what the things that God has done, the many people that they have served in their ministry, and now God is bringing people back to them to be able to serve his vision and their dreams and their desires. I believe that God has something special today for us. I want to look to his word today. If you have your Bible or your phone, uh, go ahead and turn to John chapter 4. We're going to get into a story today. Um, As Pastor Chris mentioned, you guys are in this series called Show and Tell. Show and tell. I don't know about you, but I remember going to school and, and bringing, whether it was like the baseball that, that I got a game ball or my little transformer or my little toy that I'd bring to show and tell. And I was so proud of that thing, right? I was so, uh, wanted, so proud that I wanted to tell everybody in school about that. When I was in about second grade, I remember bringing those things and standing in front of my class and, and just being so proud to not only show them what meant something to me, but to tell them about it. I, I believe that sometimes in our culture today, we're, we're, we're kind of conditioned to, to just show people maybe with our lifestyle, but we stop short in opening our mouth to proclaim God's truth. We stop short oftentimes where maybe we have a relationship or, or maybe we run into somebody at the store. And I don't know about you, but I've had times when I've been at Walmart or, 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 or some grocery store and God's just impressing on my heart to say, pray for this person. And, and man, as, as, as pastors, as leaders, we struggle just like you guys. It's not like Pastor Chris and Miss Megan are some super Christian, right? Some super uh, hero, even though they are. But, but they, they struggle in the same temptations, in, in the same uh, fear that comes across. And, man, it's not easy sometimes to open our mouths. But every time I've done that, every time I've stepped out in faith and said, hey, I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but, you know, I just feel like I need to pray for you. I feel like I need to just tell you this word or or tell you God loves you. Every single time that I've obeyed the Lord in that, God has moved in miraculous and powerful ways. I believe that we have to practice listening to the Holy Spirit. We, we practice everything else in our life, right? I mean, we, we, we practice things. We, we work hard at things. We, we work out in our health and our diet, our fitness. But, but so many times we don't practice living out our faith. We don't practice being led by the nudge of the Holy Spirit. 
kind of a side note today, my challenge for you as you leave this place is that this week you would walk around this community with an open heart, open eyes, open ears, and say, Holy Spirit, lead me to the person that you want me to share my faith with. Lead me to the person you want me to show God's love and to tell of his love. Because don't you know that the greatest thing that we possess is God's love. God's love. And so today we're going to talk about showing and telling God's love. I heard this statement a long time ago, and I've kind of adapted it and adopted it to my life. I don't love my neighbor to convert them. I should love my neighbor because I've been converted. So this motive of, oh, I'm going to go out in this community and love people so that they will come to church or so that they will give to God or so that they will. Listen, our motive should simply be because Jesus died and loved us, we should love this world. I don't love my neighbor to convert them, although, hey, that's a great end result, right? But my motive is because I've been converted. I need to show God's love. The reality is today, man, that we should love the lost too much to sit by and and just do nothing. Because doing nothing is not an option. As Christ followers, as believers, as really true Christians, doing nothing is not an option. It's time to know God and to show God, just like Pastor Chris preached last week. Are we living to have this feeling of coming to church and just kind of getting filled? Or are we spending our lives helping others have an encounter with Jesus? Because the reality is we can come to this place and get all hyped up and and, and sing great songs. And listen, that's good. It's not a bad thing. We want to experience God, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is that we would bring others on the journey with us. The end goal is that we go out into this community and that we make a difference, that we care enough and that we love enough to help people have an encounter with Christ. So here's the question. Who is here today because of you? Who is in this church? Who is here today? Who is on the journey with you today because you have opened your mouth and proclaimed God's good news. Oftentimes we confuse it with, man, we have to break down the Romans road or we've got to go through this deep theology. And all people want to know is God's love and your story. God's love and your story. That's it. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, what he's done for you and the word of our testimony. No one can argue with your story. You've been changed. You possess the greatest story of all because it happened to you. And what God has done for you, he wants to do for others. Who are you inviting on the journey with you? There's power in an invitation. A long time ago, as Pastor Chris mentioned, I'm very old and um, wretched and decrepit or whatever. I'm only 41, about to be 42. But uh, so a long, long, long time ago, there was, I grew up on the West Bank, and uh, man, Brother Ratke, Paul Ratke was my pastor. If you've maybe been around for a long time, you might have heard of him. I love that guy. That guy has really poured into my family and, and, and just changed it. But there was a man named Doug, and, and this guy, Doug, uh, invited my aunt and uncle to a revival service, a, a, a service that, just a special night. And when they came, they got saved. And their life was radically, radically changed. And, and because of that invitation, my aunt and uncle gave their heart to the Lord. And then in return, they, they invited my mom to a church service and, and my dad. 
And they were not living for the Lord, man. They were it was back in the 70s, man. They were a bunch of hippies back then. And, and, and really, uh, for them to even come into church was a crazy, uh, unique thing. But my aunt and uncle invited my mom. My mom came, and, and she got saved. And then about a year later, my dad ended up surrendering his heart to the Lord. I stand here on this platform today because of a guy named Doug who just literally had the courage to open his mouth and to share his love, share God's love, and to invite my aunt and uncle to one night that totally changed their life. What is out there? How many people are out there that all you've got to do is invite them, to invite them on the journey with you? And who knows that their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids, that generations to come will be changed because you invited someone to walk with you on this journey with Christ. John chapter 4 is our story today, our, our text, and I want get to get, get into this. Showing and telling has everything to do with caring enough to make a difference. Let's look at Jesus' example on that today. It says, so Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee, verse 3. He had to go through Samaria on the way. I love the wording of that, man. John writes this. He's the only one telling the story of all the Gospels. And, and it's like, like Jesus was compelled. He had to go. Many of you have been nudged by the Holy Spirit. Man, I just, I, I've got to go this way. or I've got to stop at this gas station. I've got to go to this line. And, and, and little did you know that you would encounter somebody that needs Jesus. And that's what happened to Jesus right here. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village, the, the Samaritan uh, village of, of Sychar, near the field of Jacob, gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the long walk. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now the woman was shocked and surprised, the Bible says, because Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Now, if, if you know the scripture there, most of those Jews would go all the way out of their way just to avoid seeing and setting foot in Samaria. So Jesus was breaking all kind of cultural rules, all these cultural barriers. He not only went to Samaria, but he was talking to a woman, which was at that time just not a good thing and, and, and frowned upon in that way. And not only any woman, but the Samaritan woman. Now, this woman, Jesus knew everything about. And that town knew everything about. The Bible says she came to the well alone. Now, that was uncommon because, man, that well was kind of like the little watering hole. And everybody came together. All the ladies came. And they would gossip about everything. They'd talk about the day. They'd share their Pinterest stuff. I mean, it was awesome back then. And, and, and they would do all of this together. It was a very social thing. And, and, and what happened is once everybody else was gone, then this outcast, shamed Samaritan woman would come. She had no friends. If you read the rest of the story, and we'll get into some of these, Jesus begins to tell her about this living water. And, and she's like, listen, this, this is some good water. That, that well was famous for the water. About 1,800 years this well had been in existence at this time. This was a deep, deep well. This well was famous. People came from all over cold, good water. I remember when I was a kid, we would run around the town, and there was this doctor's office that had this ice-cold water fountain, and we'd sneak in the back door. The nurses wouldn't see us, and, and we'd go drink water, and we'd run out, man, and, and we'd get caught sometimes. But like, get out of here, you crazy kids, you know, and, and man, that water fountain was famous 
among the kids in our neighborhood. And they learned to lock that door. And then we couldn't get water anymore, man. So we had to sneak in a different way. But this, this place that we're talking about, Jacob's Well, was a famous place. It was a very deep well. 1,800 years of, of, of history happening here. And, and this woman is standing, or sitting there alone. And Jesus is about to teach her and bring her into a whole new awareness of what good living water is. She's like, I want this water. He's telling her, if you drink of this, you'll never, ever thirst again. And, and, and really, Jesus is just kind of almost like, like, like suckering her into this, man. He, she thinks he's talking about this water, and then he just flips the switch on her and it's like, I'm the living water. And, and she begins to, to go into her story of her life because Jesus is really asking her all these questions. I want to point out just a few key things, and then we'll look at some more scripture in this here today. Number one is this, as we look at what Jesus did, I think we could learn, number one, live a healthy, authentic, attractive life that points people to Jesus. How do we show and how do we tell? We are to live our lives with authenticity that it attracts people to Jesus. Jesus could have went anywhere. He could have said anything. John could have wrote about any story, but he chose this one to tell us and this one to show us about how to reach the lost. I was listening to the sermon from Pastor Chris last week, and, and I heard something about the vision and things that he said. I'm just, I am married to, to, to two things, his wife and, and vision. And, and he says, the vision of this house is to meet people and to grow closer to God together. I think that Jesus was, was literally living out your vision right here for, for New Hope Fellowship, man, to be able to, to meet this woman that was an outcast that everyone had given up on and to bring her on a journey with Christ, to grow closer to God together. Jesus at the very beginning was just, just meeting a new friend. Hey, how's it going? She's like, what are you doing talking to me? You're, you're a Jew. You're, you're a man. You, you shouldn't be doing this. He's like, I just want some water. He's just talking to her. How many times have we overlooked opportunities to share Christ when all God wants is for us to just make a friend, to be friendly and to show God's love? The Bible says that we are known as his disciples by our love for one another, not by our great theology, not by our ability to argue a certain point, but our love for one another. Who have you shown God's love to lately? Who have we gone out of our way like Jesus to literally show with our lives and to tell with our mouths about the gospel? See, the gospel is good news only when we share it. The gospel becomes life-changing good news when we share it. And if the gospel is good news, then, then we need to find out what is good news to our community. What is good news? The other day you guys did a health fair and met some needs that, that are really, real uh, heartfelt needs in this community. Man, that's showing the love of Christ. Inviting people on a journey, telling them about his love, showing them Christ. What does this community need? It would be foolish to go out in August and, and have a coat drive right here in Eunice. Hey, guys, we need a coat drive. I mean, there's a lot of freezing people in August, okay? And, 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 and sometimes the church does this, right? I mean, we think we know what people need, and the reality is they just need Jesus. They just need to know that there's a second, third, fourth, fifth, like this woman, a sixth chance that even though she had multiple husbands, we're going to see in a moment, Jesus still loved her. And Jesus still 
wanted her to follow him. Are you living that life? Are you living that healthy, authentic, attractive life that truly points people to Jesus? See, the well and the water, they were just conversation pieces. Jesus was the point. Jesus was the main point. Number two, as we get into this, is we look at investing time, building trust, and injecting truth. Now, Jesus did this really quickly. He invested time, like it took him 13 verses to just hang out with this woman and and, and to build some trust. He was talking to her, but he didn't stop short there. He gave her the truth. And a lot of times, as I mentioned earlier, we we stop short of, of getting people to a point where we can share the truth of the gospel with them. We're we're good at making relationships, or maybe we're good at at hanging out with sinners, or good at hanging out with people that that are far from God, but what they need is the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. We invest the time, we build the trust, but we've got to inject the truth. When someone comes to you at work and talks about, man, they're going through this trial or this divorce or this struggle, shouldn't we of all people grab their hand and say, can we pray? Do you mind if I just pray with you? You don't have to know all the scripture. All you've got to have is a caring heart and a willing vessel to say, let me join with you and stand with you in agreement. I believe in a God who can change your situation. I serve a God that can come into your life and make all things new. All people are waiting for is for you to have the boldness to invest time, to build trust, and inject truth. Jesus is our example. John 4, 15, she's saying, Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, right? Jesus talked about this cold, great living water. And then she says, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And he drops the bomb on her. Go and get your husband, Jesus said. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have one. You've had five. And you're not even married to the man that you're living with. And, and I love this scripture. She's like, certainly you must be a prophet. I mean, like that, when you read the Bible, man, you got to just read it in context. Like, like she's sitting there going, man, you just read my mail, man. I mean, like you have got to be a prophet. And the cool thing about that is most of the time in her life, when people heard that about her, they rejected her. And they walked away from her and they shunned her and they made fun of her. They laughed at her. Most times when she would share that, she tried to keep that hidden, right? And so many times, but when she shared that with Jesus, it was a safe place. It was a safe place to open up and to share a story about her life. Man, we've got to slow down in this life and in our busyness and our, and our chaos and our, and our schedules and our block schedules and our work and all this to just slow down and listen. There's so many people that are willing to open up if we just take the time to listen. And that's all Jesus did. He began to ask questions, began to kind of prod just a little bit, and and all of a sudden, there it is. And you've got this moment oftentimes where, where we can act like the world and shun people, or we can act like the church is supposed to act and receive them, and help them, because we hold the keys, we hold the answer to every problem that this community has, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Right here, these empty seats are waiting for people, for you to bring, for you to invite, to bring, so that their lives will be forever changed, like my mom and dad, like my aunt and uncle, that generations and generations will be affected because of what you do, what you bring, who you bring on the journey with you. It's time to stop just keeping it to ourselves and 
time to start sharing. If we had the cure for cancer and kept it to ourselves, we would be a horrible people. If we knew the bridge was out and we didn't stop anyone from going off, we would be a horrible people. If we smelled the smoke in the building and didn't open our mouths to, to yell out a warning, we would be a horrible people. We should be the ones screaming the loudest, living the loudest, proclaiming Jesus' love the loudest, injecting truth in our community. Love enough to say the hard things. I'm that friend that, man, if you've got something in your teeth and I'm talking to you, I'm going to tell you about it, man. Last night we were eating with Pastor Chris and Megan, and, and Pastor Chris was like, hey, Megan, please, man, if I got something in this crazy beard, you know, just tell me, like dripping crawfish etouffee or something, you know, and, and, and I, I'm that friend that's going to tell you, but I'm also that friend that's going to be able to pull your side and say, hey, man, I, I'm just kind of feeling like you're, you're drifting from God. I've got my brother-in-law, me and him have this thing that we can pull out each other's phones. I got my phone right there. We know each other's passwords. And if we're ever together, it's my wife's twin brother. And if we're ever together, he knows I'm going to grab his phone. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to check his history. Why? Because I love him enough to not let him fall into an addiction of pornography. I love him enough to, to say, Chris, how are you doing, man? And he loves me enough to check me out. He loves me enough to ask the tough questions. Who do you have in your life that you're allowing, that you're giving access, that kind of access? That's what discipleship is. It's being made more and more and more like Christ, that I'm better today than I was yesterday, and I continue to grow. I may not be perfect, but I'm continuing to be sanctified in this process of becoming more and more like Christ. You can tell a lot about the maturity in your relationship with God by how you react to discipline, how you react to, to, to spiritual authority in your life. For some of us, man, we need to welcome that. We need to have friends in our life that love us enough to speak the, speak the tough things and the hard things. And you need to love others. We need to love others enough to tell them that they're going the wrong direction. And it's time to turn around. Would you come with me on a journey? I thank God for a guy named Doug Segura who loved my aunt and uncle enough to speak up and say, guys, you're going in the wrong direction. Would you come to church with me? Their lives, my mom and dad's life, my life, the many people that I've been able to minister to, the lives have been touched because of one invitation. I want to challenge you today to, to show and tell, to invest time, to build trust, to inject truth. Number three, as we go on with this, is, is Jesus is moving people, and even in this, from come and see to go and tell. Come and see to go and tell. John 4, 27, in this story, it says, just then the disciples came back, and they were shocked to find Jesus talking to a woman, even a Samaritan woman. They were, they were appalled, probably. They were like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? We leave Jesus alone for one minute. We go buy groceries, and we come back, and look what he's doing, hanging out with sinners. That's what we should be doing, right? We should be loving the lost, man. We should have people going, what are those people doing? Not that we allow the sinners to influence us, but we should be the influence on them. We should be able to smell like Samaritan people, right? We should be able to walk through this community and, and, and have these disciples like this go. They were shocked to find them talking to this woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. I love, man, you got to love the Bible. Like The disciples were like, they were, oh, what is Jesus doing? But none of them had the guts to speak up, man. 
because they're like, that's Jesus, man. Dude walked on water. Like, you know, man, I'm, I'm not going to mess with that guy. He might get me. So here it goes. It says, uh, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? That's, they didn't ask that. Verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well, and she ran back to the village telling everyone. Dude, what if that was the way that we described how we say amen on a Sunday? That we run from our seats into this community and we tell everyone. What a powerful statement. What a powerful statement that, that we would see time with Jesus as energizing and, and, and exciting and filling up our tank so that all week long we could run into this community and proclaim his love. Listen what she says. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She wasn't even sure. She wasn't even 100% positive, but she's like, this dude told me a lot of stuff, man, and I really felt like he's got the living water, and I want you to come and see for yourself. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Man, again, what a statement. What if that is the statement of this church, that people from all over come streaming to this place just to see Jesus? Not to see a worship team, not to see Pastor Lydia, Pastor Weston, or Pastor Chris, but to stream to this place so they can get to this altar and that they may hope to possibly get to the Messiah. Man, that should be our prayer. That is our goal. That is our cry. Once you've encountered the life-changing and saving grace of Jesus, you can't help but share the good news. You can't really effectively go and tell until you first come and see when this woman came and saw for herself, when she felt Jesus, when she knew that he was telling her all the things that she had ever did and yet he still loved her, she felt that love. She felt that acceptance. She felt that truth and that challenge and she was effective to go and tell. When we have an encounter with Jesus, we can't help but share the good news. When Jesus called the disciples, he simply said, come follow me and he moved them through that process. Come and see, come and follow me all the way until the great commission when he's about to leave. And he says, go and tell, go and make disciples, come and see, and then you can go and tell. Jesus, God is always more concerned with the process of your walk with him. He's not concerned with perfection. He wants us to live holy, yes. He wants us to have high standards, yes. He wants us to, to walk in holiness as he is holy, yes, but he's more concerned with your process of serving him. He loved that fact that this woman came to him in a very shameful way in, in her community, a very shunned woman, but came to Jesus and felt the love and acceptance. When we finally realized that it's not about us, but it's about how we can help others, then we're truly living like Christ. The last two here today, they know that you're disciples by your love for one another. I said that earlier today, and there's a quote that I remember this pastor saying in one of the messages I was listening to. He said, lost people matter to God, and if they matter to God, they should matter to us. Lost people, hurting people matter to God. It matters to God so much that he sent his only son to die for them. And if lost people matter to God, then it should matter to us. John 4, 39, it says that many of the Samaritans that the woman talked to uh, they, from the village, they believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. 
They believed in Jesus because of the woman's story. Again, we go back to the question I asked at the beginning. Who's here because of you? Who's here because of you? Who's serving God because you cared enough to make a difference? Who's in heaven today? Maybe because you've witnessed to their family or you were there for them and, and, and then they've passed on and, and now their eternity is changed because lost people matter to God and lost people have mattered to you. They'll know your disciples because you love enough to make a difference. I love what it says right here. It says, Jesus, they asked him to stay and he stayed for two more days. Verse 42, and then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you said, but because we've heard from Jesus ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. See, that's the process of what Jesus wants. Disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Followers of Christ that bring in more followers of Christ. I believe that when we get to heaven, God's going to look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom, right? We know that in scripture, but, but I believe that God's going to have another conversation. We're going to walk up. We're about to enter in. He's going to be like, all right, who did you bring with you? Who is it that, that you cared enough to, to share with? Who are you going to bring with you on this journey? For some of us, man, I hope that we don't stand there and say, God, I, I didn't have the boldness to tell. Oh, I lived a good life, and I showed people Jesus, right? I mean, there was, that, there was that quote that said, you know, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Man, I believe that we need to use our words. We need to use our words. We need to open our mouth. Yes, we should preach the gospel through our love and our action, but if we stop short there, man, there's be a lot of people that are missing out on the word of God. It's time to have the boldness to open our mouths and love because doing nothing is not an option. Does your love for God compel you to truly love others and speak truth? The last thing today, and we'll wrap this up. From this whole text, we just kind of walk through and this last thing is probably the most important thing because this church is an example of this. Dig a well today that others will drink of in the future. Dig a well today that others can drink from in the future. See, this well, as I mentioned, 1,800 years from the time the well was first dug to the moment that we find ourselves in this story with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. 1,800 years of this well producing water. How many generations is that? How many people have come to this well? How many uh, people have received this cold, deep water from this place in this field? And I imagine this church that's been here for many, many years. How many people have come and received life because of what many men and women have done in the past? I love the fact that today is one year. One year almost to the date. Not from the Sunday because you had to cancel the first Sunday because of the flood. So it's kind of like a little asterisk, right? It's like one year asterisk, you know. But one year. Look what God has done in a year, man. It's amazing drove me past the, the acres of land there. and so This is where we're going to be. Talked about the city and talked about how many people live there. Talked about the growth and the services and bringing on the staff. I mean, so many things. Look at what God has done. And imagine a hundred years from now what this place will look like. Imagine that if we could dig a well today for people to receive living water that are not even born yet. 
and they're going to walk in this place, walk onto the new property, come into this church, and experience life-changing power of Jesus because of what you do today. 1,800 years of ice-cold water. Listen, man, we're talking way more about Jesus than water. Lives will be touched. Lives can be changed. This says right here in, in the scripture, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Digging the well today. Who will drink from in years to come? What harvest is God calling you to reap? The Bible says in this verse, it goes on to say something really, really cool. It says that you're going to reap harvests that you did not even plant. Man, Pastor Chris, when I was reading that scripture, I was just it's like, dude, that's it. That's it. How many harvests have been planted here years and years and years ago? And you guys are going to reap this harvest. This church, this community is going to reap a harvest that, that for many, many years, and how much more is being planted now, how much more will grow in years and years to come because of what God's doing in this place for such a time as this. In just a few months, me and my wife are going to be, and my family, we're, we're headed to Colorado. We're reopening a church that was closed down. 60 years this church had been in existence and for 60 years there was a life-giving well right there in this church but for a lot of different reasons in the last 15 years it's just kind of gone down and down and down and sadly about two years ago they closed the doors of this church windows were broken it's been vandalized I mean it's 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 just building and 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 just sitting there vacant and and empty and the Rocky Mountain District has, has asked us to come be a part of a team that is going to come redig a well that used to be a living water. God's called us to go in this place. Man, we've, we're fixing windows. We're, we're doing all this stuff now. We're completely like flipping this church and, and, and revitalizing. It's in a neighborhood that is rough. It's a, it's a pretty rough part of Colorado Springs. But there's a college campus, like 15,000 students right there. And there's a life-giving well that's about to be redug and reopen, and rebirthed, and revitalized, and replanted. And we're so pumped and excited about that. The church is closed right now. We're going to be reopening and relaunching in about February if everything goes right. We're, we're raising funds for that, man. We're, we, we have to totally do everything on our own because there's not a congregation now because they closed the doors. The enemy thought he had won, but how many of you know God's in the resurrecting business, man? He's in the resurrecting business. He's in that digging well, that, that redigging of a well. How many people in this church, maybe their families that, that the enemy thought they kind of snuffed out because of some stuff in the past, or they're no longer there, and God's calling you to redig a well in a relationship there. God's calling you to redig a way that they can get the life-giving water. What mission field is God calling you to? He's calling us to go to Colorado again. We've been there before. We're from, I'm from New Orleans. She's from Shreveport. We went there. We started a church in Denver, and now God's asking us to go and reopen this church here. What's God calling you to do? There's a way that God is opening up doors for you to not just show, but to tell of his great love. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. So many times, man, and in my life, the enemy had me exactly where he thought he wanted me, but God, but God came in and he redug wells in my life. 
I want you to think about some things in your heart. What are some things that, as, as we close this thing today, what are some people that, that you need to show God's love to? Maybe you're not living that healthy, authentic, attractive life. Maybe, maybe you need to, to really start there and, and to maybe redig a well in your own heart today so that you can get that spring of living water. The Bible says in this passage that it will bubble up from within us. If God is not bubbling up from within you, maybe you need to redig a well in your own heart today. Maybe for some of you, you've got to not just go and tell, but you've got to first have this encounter, this relationship with Jesus first. That's for you today. Jesus is here and he brought me and my wife, my family here for maybe that this is your day. Maybe it's your first Sunday, but we said it last night. Sunday is, some, is everybody's Sunday, man. It's, it's a Sunday. It's a major turning point for somebody. This could be your Sunday. This could be your pivotal moment. This could be your Samaritan moment today where Jesus says, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, I still love you and I still care for you and I'm here for you. If that's you today, you would say, hey, Pastor Sean, I'm needing Jesus today. I need that living water. I need that newness. I need that freshness in my life. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. If that's you today, just simply raise your hand. No one's looking. I just want to pray for you. Thank you so much. I see your hands. I see them. Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you for that. Man, there's a new life. There's, there, there's a new well. There's a freshness that God is wanting to just release in you today. God's doing it. Anybody else? Say, man, that's me. I, I need that freshness. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Can we pray together real quick? If we would, just everyone, if you won't mind, just repeating after me. There's there's no uh, power in this words that we're going to say, but, but we're going to pray and ask the Lord. The power is in God, and he brings that forgiveness, and the power is in you walking it out on a daily basis. And this church is committed to giving you the next steps in the process. This church is committed. This staff, the leaders here are committed to grabbing you by the hand and saying, nah, I'm not just going to tell you what to do. I'm going to show you, and I'm going to walk with you side by side. Let's pray. If you wouldn't mind repeating after me, dear Jesus, please forgive me for all the wrong things that I've ever done. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my heart. Make me like you, Jesus. Send people in my life that will help me. I need you, God. Convict me. Show me and love me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Hey, let's give these a round of applause that gave their heart to the Lord, man. I'm excited for you. In just a moment, Pastor Chris will tell you a little bit more about what you can do for your next step and, and how this church can help partner with you. Guys, I'm excited about what God is doing here. I love your pastor so much. It's been cool to be able to know all of your staff, man. I've got, I know all of them from years and years ago and, and to see what God has brought together. And it's amazing. I pray that that same thing would happen for us as we go to Colorado. We're gathering a team. We're gathering ministry partners. We're gathering financial partners. Man, if you want to be a part of, of helping us in Colorado, Pastor Chris will tell you more about how you can do that. But I'm asking you just to pray for us, number one. 
Colorado Springs is, is, is a hard ground. And there's a lot of conservative stuff there. There's a lot of liberal stuff. And we're going right smack dab into the liberal part of the city, right where Jesus would be, man. There's some rough stuff on that street, man. There's some marijuana shops not far by. There's some, some college campus stuff that, man, we're going to go in. And we believe we're going to flip that city around for Jesus Christ, man. We're going to dig a new well where there was once a church and the enemy thought he had won. Man, we're going back and living water will flow once again. I want to challenge you today that you would look for your own mission field right here in this community. You're doing a great job living a life. Now go do a great job telling about his great love. Pastor Chris, would you come? Thank you so much today. Can you see the vision and the passion that, and, and you guys, I, if, if we had time, I, I wouldn't do it to her on the spot, but if Amy shares this same heart. It's, it's just on them. They just know they're supposed to go to, uh, to Colorado Springs and, and help revitalize this church. You're, you're seeing, like in person, what I would believe and interpret you know, Jesus gives some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. and t- You are seeing an apostle and his bride go into an area of darkness and literally go in with the passion and the purpose of, of pushing back the darkness to reveal the light of Jesus Christ in that area. I, I don't know how exactly. I don't know how much for, for us personally. I'm talking about personally. And for us as a church but I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. I believe in this man. I believe in his bride and his family. And I don't know how. I don't even know how much yet. Um, because I don't make decisions without my wife. I make decisions with my wife. Because I want her to be a part of it. Thank you, sweetheart. That was... <laughs> I want you to ask the Lord today. We're going to receive an offering for them. But here's what I also want you to ask. They're raising all their own funds. And he's going to work a part-time job. And, and she's working, and they're going to move to this city with their family. Can you imagine this? Imagine this is you, okay? This is, these are real people. Like, they're our friends, and they're going to Colorado Springs in January. They're going to move their family up there with part-time jobs and believe for God to use them to build a church and be able to support the ministry and the vision that he's given them to accomplish. I, I want to help them. Like, I wish... I wish I had enough to build one of those stupid pools in my back because I would just cancel that and give the, the quarter of a million that they have on that. I would, would just play in the sprinkler like we used to and be just fine. And, and can you hear it? And send these two to Colorado without having to worry about finances because they're not going to live on excess. They're, they're going to live on what they need. And I want to be a part of providing them with what they need today. If you want to partner with them on a monthly basis, you can visit with Pastor Sean or visit with us. Um, You can even give through the church here and we'll send the check to them, however you want to do that. But today, I I want you to ask the Lord, because I want to give you a chance to sow into this with two minutes before 1030. I want you to pray right now and ask. Maybe some of you need to lean over to your spouse or your significant other and say, hey, what can we invest in this couple? Because we want them to, why are you asking us to give? Because... I want them to go, and I want to be a part of sending them. They believe. That's why I'm asking you to give, so that we can support and sow into the vision that I believe God has 
for that community in that area. And I saw you when you were talking about it. I saw you baptizing a 20-year-old guy and pulling him up out of the water. I saw it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen often. And I want to be a part. Guys, if you'll come forward, let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now that you would just purpose in our hearts what to give, how much. Give us a number. Help us to know. To, to sow in and invest in this couple. Not because they're begging for money, because your righteous will not be forsaken. Your children shall not be begging of bread. But God, but today, because we want to invest in an individual that's going to go and do something, that's going to push and fight and plant and purpose your passion for those people in that place. God, thank you today for letting us be a part of it. Bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, you can go as, as you give. You can make the check out to New Hope Fellowship and memo their name. If you make it out to them, we'll, we'll fix that as well. <clears throat> Just going to give a second. Hey, thank you so much for pushing in, pressing in with us. And uh, Pastor John will be back next week. Thank the Jesus. <laughs> I only have to do this once. Um, uh, once every so often, and I thank the worship team for working with me. I want to pray over you today. If you've received, if you've already given, just stand with us today. They'll pass you by, or you can make sure and put that in on your way out. We do this every Sunday. This is an every Sunday deal. Um, we want to pray a blessing over you, and then you'll be be dismissed to go get your babies. Hey, when you go back there, if if you have young ones, please tell us what they did and did not enjoy. Like, we really want to know. Pastor Lydia wants to know what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy, because we want to make it about them. We want them to wake you up on Sunday mornings and want to come to church. Like, drag you out of bed because they're ready to come see Pastor Lydia and everything that's going on. Let me pray over you. Let's get out of here. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for these people. I pray that you would bless them that your face would shine upon them and be gracious to them, Lord, that you would lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace. Anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways. Fill us with your spirit and empower us to be a witness, an example for you with every person that you put in our path and let that begin this afternoon and carry through next Sunday. Let us come back, come to the well as often as possible so that we have something to share. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.